Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, this is episode 238 of the Uncapped Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today, I'm at Upper Stem Brewery out in Hagerstown, Maryland, to talk to Dan Wingard, uh, the founder, uh, owner, brewmaster, head brewer. Um, seems like maybe you do just everything here, right? Just about, yeah. <laughs> uh, so thanks for having me out. Thanks very much for coming. It's, uh, it's been a long time, uh, long time coming. <laughs> Um, so one thing I read, you were the first, uh, farm brewery in Washington County, which it seems crazy that Washington County didn't have a farm brewery yet. It does totally. And, and when, when I was uh, first looking into doing a brewery, uh, farm brewery was not on my list of things. Uh, but after talking to several different people that, uh, it really made a lot of sense and there's just abundant farmland here and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up being a farm brewery. Are there any negatives to having a farm brewery? I mean, there are a lot of benefits within the laws for farm breweries, but are, is there anything that is negative to how you have to operate? Uh, certainly, uh, if you're on a piece of agricultural property, property, especially here in Washington County, you're pretty much out of any of the of the utilities uh, as far as water and and sewer goes so you've got to uh, to have private water source and private sewer and that that does that is a negative uh, both from a initial cost uh, standpoint and the fact that you're really limited in how how large your brew house can be so we're we're a ten barrel system, and that's kind of about the limit that we can do with uh, with our water source. Is that basically because how like just fundamentally how much water you can even get, or the speed that you can get the water? It's really it's a combination of both, but uh, speed is pretty important in the brewery when you're, especially on a brew day. I mean, you can bank water, but uh, that that doesn't take care of all your needs for the day. And if you're going to do a back to back brew, it's it's virtually impossible. Um, but within like the frameworks of Maryland law, are there there really aren't any negatives, right? Is is the only restriction is really that you have to grow some? Is there is it a percentage or is it even just you have to grow something that you use in beer? <laughs> that that's pretty much up to the up to the local zoning folks okay. for each county. Uh, here in in Washington County, when we applied for our permit, it was two acres of 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 a, two two acres of land had to be in a crop that went in the beer, but that's since changed. So that's a significant amount it, of <laughs> it is. That's a lot of hops, yeah. <laughs> or or whatever you you want to grow. But uh, now it's it's simply uh, we we need to have something we grow that goes in the beer. So it's not stipulated how much or how how often you have to do it. Yeah, I think maybe when those laws were originally written lawmakers probably didn't take into account the like just because you grew it doesn't mean you can just pick it and then use it right away that there's a whole lot of steps in between harvest and beer ingredients oh there sure are especially especially when you're talking about beer uh, uh, you know hops are are the easiest thing to do uh, but it's it's incredibly uh, harvest intensive uh, but other thing, grain, uh, grain you have to have malted pretty much, uh, although we do some raw wheat, 
but other any barley needs to be pretty much uh, malted. So we don't have the capacity, yeah. capacity to be a maltery. And and it, yeah, because one, I, you you would never <laughs> build a malting facility <laughs> for just two acres. Absolutely <laughs> not, not for a ten barrel system. Yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, we need to rewind a whole lot because we just jumped right into there. But like normally, um, when I have a guest on for the first time, we want to get to know you a little bit better first. Um, sure. So what were you doing? You had mentioned earlier that you opened this kind of as your retirement project. Correct. Um, which is coincident. My grandfather, although he bought it as a hobby while he was still working some too, but his it wasn't a brewery, but he had a... His farm was his retirement project. Yeah, that's a that's an intensive farm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the man was thinking. Yeah, because he had a bunch of cattle, and it was <laughs> mainly livestock, and then corn. And it's so basically for several years, he just had two full time jobs. Yes, that's that's pretty brutal. And one yeah. job generated no money <laughs> and was just a, a very expensive hobby. Right, and the other one paid for the hobby. Yeah, uh, yeah. How did I get started in this? Uh, my my wife and I started home brewing in the 90s and uh, uh, I was getting to the point where I was kind of fed up with what I was doing and and I was looking toward retirement what can I do and it's like oh so my wife said hey you should you should think about becoming a brewer because the brewers craft breweries are really coming up everywhere and you could probably easily find a job and thought hey that's a great idea and one thing leads to another 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 and uh, I ended up uh, taking the American Brewers Guild course, and I could do that while I was working, fortunately. And then I started to, uh, I, I, I volunteered at Barley and Hops in Frederick for three years. So okay. Just to get some practical experience. Was that w when Eric was head brewer or, or when Larry was head brewer? It was actually when Will Golden was head brewer. Oh, so way back way in back. the day. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 2009, sometime okay. around that period. And yeah, it, and it, it was such a great place to go learn because uh, both both Will and after him Larry were were flying dog uh, graduates, if you will. Yeah. And if you're going to learn from somebody, it might as well be someone that that comes from a from a proper uh, large brewery who's pretty much seen it all. So, uh, and after that. Uh, I finally retired, and I'm like, I don't want to work for anybody else. So <laughs> here we are. So, what was your prof your profession before brewing? Oh, I was I I was in IT. Okay. So yeah, I was a, an engineer for an IT firm in in uh, Gaithersburg, and did that for thirty thirty years. That's a, that's one of the common professions that people want to escape to become a brewer. Yeah, it was great at the beginning, but, <laughs> you know, it wears on you after a while. Yeah, that's, um, that is the other part of my job. Um, but I, uh, I'm too lazy to brew beer, uh, so I've just gone into talking to people who are willing to do the actual work. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and you get to enjoy it, too. Yeah, it's, it's, this is way easier. Uh, right. <laughs> And then my back won't hold out for... Yeah, for I, well, yeah, that's, I'm having that problem right now. So we'll see how long this lasts. So, so what, um, back in the 90s, what was it that got you into homebrewing? Because in, in the 90s, it wasn't easy to be a homebrewer. It's not like now where they're most larger 
populated areas have at least one good homebrew store exactly. or you have plenty of online ones right. to go to. Right. I think what got us into that was uh, in, in my aforementioned job, uh, I had the opportunity to work for the British government on a, on a contract for oh, probably three or four years. And, and I got to go to London a good bit, and my whole beer catharsis was was in London. So you know, ESBs and uh, and it's like, wow, there is something besides Budweiser and or Miller Lite or whatever. So that was kind of what because we couldn't really get that kind of beer here at the time, and uh, of course things have changed now. But that was that's what led me into it. I think ESBs are one of the most underrated beer styles and i don't know if that's just because a lot of people don't enjoy bitterness or they don't know what the beer is going to be so they don't even try it but i, I love a good at esb oh yeah me me too absolutely uh i think it's one of the one of the best beers beer styles uh especially if you're just getting into craft uh, it's a great place to start but you, the second part of what you said is absolutely true. Uh, someone looks at a menu and said X and sees extra special bitter. They're not going to try it if they don't like, like like that style of it. It 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 has some kind of connotation, I think, to some people, which is negative. Well, I think in two when when I first tried one it was early on in getting into craft beer. I assumed it was going to be along the lines of an IPA and it's obviously like nowhere near an IPA. So I was disappointed when I first tried it, but now like if a brewery has a good ESB, like I'm very fond of that brewery. Awesome. Yeah. Cause it's also too, like very few breweries are even making them now. That's absolutely correct. I yes. mean, rightfully so. Cause no one wants to drink them. Right. Even though they're amazing right. beer style. Right. So, uh, you may find one that's not called an ESV <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's probably the best way to sneak it in. Just, it, just call it an IPA. Just and, right, yeah. Exactly. Yes. I mean, any of the IPA zone must just become a synonym for beer at this point. So <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> um, so that that's one thing I noticed too that you are not sticking to like the stereotypical offerings of a farm brewery. That's that's probably true, or or maybe really a lot of craft breweries now, and in, in, in general, I think are, are we we try to we try to make a make something for everybody, if you will. Uh, it's it's hard to say that because you can't, but. Uh, we, we'd like to have a big selection of beers. Well, because even though this is on a farm, and there's definitely a lot of farmland around here, you're not far from the city. Like oh. it's like it's basically like a snap, and you're right back into three three miles, and you're downtown yeah. Hagerstown. It's funny. Like I brought my daughter. I think it was the force awakens it was it was one of the star wars movies i brought her to the leidersburg cinemas oh no which is which will be reopening soon which i'll probably drive out to because they've done an amazing job at warehouse cinemas and frederick right so i assume out here will be just as amazing yeah and as we're on our way to the movie theater she asked me why i was taking her to the middle of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good story uh it kind of is the middle of nowhere when you look out the window but uh it, it's it's close enough to town that uh, 
that we we draw a lot of people from town and and actually we're only five miles from Pennsylvania and we actually drew quite a few people from Pennsylvania uh, during COVID because PA had this this pretty strange uh, law at the time that if oh, with you, the food with the like, food yeah. yeah so the breweries had they were like all making hot dogs and selling hot dogs yeah. and chips but you had to have it in front of you while you were drinking a beer so a lot of people came over here because they didn't want to yeah. buy a hot dog it's a lot easier to drink in maryland <laughs> it's a lot easier to drink yeah well let's ho- hope <laughs> hopefully hopefully they became uh regular than yeah we've met a customers l- instead of go- just going back to staying in yeah a, a couple of our, our our best clients are are in here every week and they're from pennsylvania and they keep coming back so when when did the seed and idea for opening Upper Stem come to you? Like how how long was it from like yeah I want to be a brewer I'm gonna get rid of this stupid IT job but <laughs> I'm not willing to go work for someone else. When, when did that? How long ago was that? Yeah that 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 quest to be on my own and not not be working for somebody probably probably came in to, to force about uh, I'm, I think it was around 2010 so I had a long enough period of time to make sure I was sane enough to make that decision but <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's this, at this point in time I don't know if that was the sane decision but we're happy that's what counts I feel like the there aren't um, there aren't a, there probably aren't enough breweries in Washington County and definitely not in the Hagerstown area for the, the population that is here. That's absolutely true. And, and when I, when I've seriously considered doing this on my own, uh, basically, uh, Antietam was just getting started and that's when they were in Benny's pub and, uh, they, they were really the only, only ones in the County. And, so they got going and and have have done quite well for themselves and uh, and I actually knew the original brewer there and that's how I kind of kind of got uh, got to know all the folks at Antietam but uh, yeah it's we could use more actually yeah I mean because it's what you Antietam homemade and Kushwa that's it like, so it, yeah. but at least you're you're getting to the point um, especially with well established ones already there. Um, it, there, there's a draw to the area which you can benefit from. Right, it, and it's it's kind of like the, the 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 housing market around here. It's like we've to the eastern part of the county is so close to Frederick that people are coming from the city and and trying to get a little further out from that urban sprawl. And I think that's going to even uh, provide a, a base of people that that want quality craft beer and and i'm sure you're going to see some more craft breweries here in washington county and a premium movie theater directly across the street from you <laughs> yes. is probably also going to help some <laughs> exactly are uh, there any other like that's the only movie theater in hagerstown or are there is there another I th- one well there used to be one at the mall on the south end of town but i think that might have closed so i believe they will be the only ones in town yeah so that that should be a nice help also awesome yeah. <laughs> so, honestly that's one of the that was one of the reasons we picked this uh, property because the theater was still in business when, yeah. when we bought the property and then uh covid put an end to that and so we're looking forward to them getting back opened 
right, well, let's take um, a real quick uh, sponsor break. And then when we come back, um, well, I think we, let's talk about uh, where the name came from and the, uh, just the, the early ons, the, you know, all the way from a year ago uh, when you opened. Okay. Actually, not even a whole year yet. But, <laughs> all right, so we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So actually, first, I want you to tell me about this beer that we've been drinking, because this beer is absolutely delicious. Thank you. Uh, it's a Goza, and it's just a, a straight up, a little salt forward uh, in, in on the palate. Uh, goza, not fruited at all. And what we have, well, I say it's not fruited, but it does have some lemon verbena that we grow on the farm here. And that provides a little bit of a lemon-lime uh, kind of uh, stringency to it and it's one of our most popular beers it's really really good um Thank you. so the name is g2 Correct. does that mean it's the second goza you've done it is it, it okay. is exactly so yeah. perceptive <laughs> man that was good <laughs> i just went i went out on a long limb for that one he nailed it so was the first one just regular or was that one fruited or no the first one was the it was uh basically the same recipe we but it, it was a little more salt forward and okay. we 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 dialed that back a little bit uh and it was just a, a point or two well about uh, i think it was two tenths of a point uh uh more acidic okay so i like i think this is a good amount of salinity I don't like the ones where you're almost feeling like you you've been in the ocean. Yeah, like a salty crust <laughs> on your um but I was saying to you earlier, like this is to me, this is the perfect um antidote for a day like today where it's a million degrees and a thousand percent humidity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So where did the name upper stem come from? Well, when you're when you're starting a company, <laughs> you got to pick a name, right? And uh, so you you come up with a list, and uh, our first our first two choices were already taken. So this kind of slid into third, and the the name actually just 
happens to be some research that I did in college, and and it was uh, had to do with uh, with measuring trees of all things. So uh, upper stem sounded. We we floated it around for a while and talked to some people and said, hey, okay, that sounds pretty good. Man, so it we stuck sounds with like it. a brewery name. It sounds like a brewery name, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't have dog or it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. It, what, what, were hard. The, what were the first two choices? Well, Antino was the first, but oh, okay. Bill, Bill, yeah, Bill beat us out of the box on that one. And the second one was was Magnetic North. And there's some brewery uh, in Connecticut, I think, that that patented the name of a beer, which was Magnetic North. So pff, couldn't use that one. <laughs> um, why, why that? Uh, just because we're we're northeast, a little bit northeast of Hagerstown. Oh, okay. So that yeah, you know, on a compass. We're That's north. a good. I mean, that makes for a good yeah reason why. <laughs> yeah, and, and we had some other ones uh, that kind of dealt with local features, like there's a stream up the road, and but but they those were all taken as well. So it's hard it's hard to come up with a brewery name. Well, I think too. Um, right now, maybe like. For small local breweries, like beer name doesn't matter at all. But like once you've reached like regional sized or even like like a multi state sized one, I don't know how the like any brewery comes up with a beer name that hasn't been trademarked already. Exactly, and that's that's what you got to watch for. I guess that the most places, that, or not most, but a lot of places, like I don't care. I was, yeah, I'm going to make it once, and then we'll. Do it. That, that's true. I mean, yeah, cease and desist letters are probably flying all over the place um so you uh you had just told me that it was actually a year and four months ago that you opened that's correct um how well, i guess I, I mean a lot of times i'll ask breweries like the troubles they ran into with opening <laughs> and, i mean they're pretty obvious for you um, yeah yeah uh covid but your your timing was probably exceptionally bad because you didn't like there's there's been a lot of breweries i've talked to that opened like right at like a few months into after covid hit so like they were they knew what they were getting into however your timing was (laughs) pretty bad uh we actually opened uh the the friday after governor hogan in maryland closed everything down uh now fortunately alcohol was considered essential so but at that time there was still a lot of uncertainty about that totally that that's totally right and and we we had actually planned to open a little later than that but uh our we had eight beers and they were you know they're ready to go and 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 we had to to start getting rid of them so we just go when when he announced that uh, things were going to going to close and we just decided hey let's Let's use our little manual 16-ounce canner and can up as much as we can and sell it at the curb, and and that's what we did. So, I, guess, I mean, I guess, the, it, did you end up selling more beer than you had anticipated? Or what? Like, how, how did the volume of beer that you were selling compare to any projections that you may have made oh it was definitely lower than what we thought okay. we, we would we'd be selling here in the sample room but what we did uh, since we had eight beers uh, at, at the time eight different beers we ended up just uh, packaging up 
uh, like a sample pack one and sample pack two. So for, for two four packs, you could get all the beers we had and sample them. But then you could also get, you know, four packs of, of any particular brand. So, and that, that kind of was a way to, to get people out to try them and see what they liked and, and be able to purchase what they wanted. Did you do growler fills through the time, or did you not keg off anything? We we didn't keg anything off. It was strictly strictly in the cans, and uh, yeah, we we actually we have the growler glass, but we haven't we haven't sold any growlers yet. Well, we sold the glass, but we've not filled any of them. <laughs> it's just it's just a pain. Yeah, so. and I, from what I understand, like that. Um, Especially places that have crowler machines that like no one is getting growlers filled anymore. It's true. And, and, and we've actually had people come in and say, oh, I, I didn't really want a beer. I just wanted to put it on, on my shelf or put it in my collection. And it's like, oh, great. We'll sell you the glass. Yeah. That's not a problem. But <laughs> Be more than happy to get this off of my shelf. <laughs> yes, exactly. And out of my, my storage room. But uh, when you talk to somebody... Uh, logically about a growler and and you turn around and say hey i can give you a four pack which is the same out number of ounces of beer so 16 ounce cans and i'll give you four different cans you don't have to drink it all at one yeah. time and it's like you get four different beers if you want and that's kind of i think where i've gone where like first i turned my back and hated growlers when the growler was introduced because then it was only 32 ounces and it would stay a little bit longer uh, without opening it. And then so many breweries had 16 now, like started canning and yeah. packaged product. Like crowlers are stupid to me now too. Like if I can just get a 16 ounce can. Yeah. It, 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 you've, you've heard all the stories about how, you know, aluminum is so much better than, uh, than the glass and, and, and that whole story. And, and I think it's quite true and they're just easier to, to manage and take around and you can take them into parks and things. So. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, you don't need other people around to enjoy. <laughs> like it's, well, if it's yeah. just a 16 ounce can and you want to have a beer, you just crack one open instead of like, it's a rare occasion that I want to drink 32 ounces of something by myself. That's so true. Yes. So then it's sitting in my refrigerator until I have a friend over or my, it's a night that my wife wants to have a beer. So it's <laughs> right. six, to me, a, a beer is useless unless it's in a 16 ounce can. <laughs> I couldn't and I, agree. And even I was even thinking the, uh, the other day, I don't remember the last time I bought a beer in a bottle. Like, unless it was some special barrel-aged release, like, I can't think of the last time I bought, like, a regular six-pack of 12-ounce bottles. Yeah, I can't. I can't either. I, I've purchased some, some one-off bottles uh, in some of the shops around here, but uh, typically that's it's a foreign beer. It's a you know, uh, a European beer that, that I want to try and, and, uh, they still bottle a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder why that is. Maybe just that they'd have all those old bottling that's, machines around and it's, <laughs> that's just the exact picture I just got in my head of all this antique equipment there. Yeah. They're pulling down levers and putting caps on and yeah, that's probably exactly why. So what? It, was it that uh, job working in England? Is that mm -hmm. what got you into craft beer even to begin with? or It, had it really, uh, yeah, I think that's, that is really what it was. Uh, 
So when I came when I came back, I was I was starting to look for different beers that, and, and I ended up doing a lot of the uh, Frederick Brewing Company beers, and and I I think you know, Pete's Wicked Ale was out back then, and that was a that was a whole different new experience. But yeah, it went on from there. Yeah, I guess Brewers Alley would have been open at that point too, right? It was. Yeah, and I, actually, I think Barley and Hops was open then. Uh, and uh, not too long after that, uh, gosh, I have to think of the first iteration of the brew pub in downtown Gaithersburg. Uh, the, uh, the one that was then Growlers and then right. Green Growlers and then something yeah. else. I don't, then, it, I don't even know if it's still there. I don't think the it truth. is any longer. Yeah, but there was there were some interesting brewers that came out of there, to tell you the was truth. It, it was something old town tavern it was old town tavern yeah. i believe that was the first one and then it was summit station i believe yes yeah and then it then it went out of business and i think growlers ended up there yeah a Long lot time. of maryland brewers went through there that's it's, true it's amazing how many brewers in maryland at one time brewed at growlers uh, that that's quite true and you can say they're really about the same uh, i i always joke that you know Probably any brewer in Maryland is three degrees of separation from flying dogs somehow, yeah. and you know we all are. Yeah, because like just the the number of people that were brewers there that either went on to be head brewers or to open their own breweries in the area. So yeah. it's, they've definitely been the um, jumping off point for a lot of other breweries. That's for sure. Yeah. So what was? What was the first American craft beer that you fell in love with? Wow. Actually fell in love with Well, it, it probably was uh, Pete's Wicked Ale, but that didn't last very long. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had one of those. Who, who was that the brew? Like, I don't actually, I don't even think I know what Pete's Wicked Ale is. I think, it was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where they were. They might've been out of California. But but then after that, I, I, I ended up with Sierra Nevada. Then I started uh, doing some of the Anchor Steam beers, and boy, it just went on from there. It's a love so, affair from that point on. Yeah. Now, see, I say all that, and I'm going to go back to my college days because I, I went to school in, in West Virginia, and there was a, a little brewery in Pennsylvania by the name of Straub's that did a lager and and it was a at that time it was like a, it was the only lager that actually had a lot of flavor and we drank a lot of straws i think i always get the names wrong but i believe a friend of mine's family owns that brewery <laughs> oh, but no it, the, kidding, there's huh? a couple there's a couple breweries that have like somewhat similar names <laughs> that I always get confused with each other but i think straws is the one that her it's like her aunt and uncle or well, someone awesome. own it so they're, they're still brewing beer that's i good. believe so yeah that's great all right well, let's take um one more quick sponsor break and then when we get back um guess we'll talk about your plans going forward beer styles you want to do don't want to do and just basically your um what's going to be going on here great we will be right back i buy my beer at district east in downtown frederick maryland they have an amazing selection of local and hard to find beers and i love the option of making my own mix and match custom six-pack District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www 
www.districteastbeer.com. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. So we also took the, this break as an opportunity to look up Pete's Wicked Ale. Uh, one, as I pointed out, it straight up looks like it could be an old school Duclaw bottle, um, who I will be having them on soon because they are celebrating 25 years of being in business. Wow. Um, and it's from Minnesota. There we go. have no idea what happened to the brewery or what's going on with them now. I didn't read that far. <laughs> so... What um, do you consider yourself ha- as having a specialty or uh, what your focus for beer, beer styles is? Hmm. Well, right now we're just trying to go through a, a, a series of beers just to see what's going to be popular here in the sample room. And, and make sure we have that nailed down. But from a from a style standpoint, uh, we love we love Belgian beers here, and we've got a, a couple on right now. And we're going to be doing uh, another uh, collaboration actually with Homemade. Uh, we've done one already. We did a dark saison, and we're going to do a quad uh, this time around. And it's going to probably be out for Christmas time. And uh, hopefully Stephen and, and Lucas are listening in. Uh, we'll get that going going t- sometime soon. Uh, also, uh, we we really like a lot of the British beers, and unfortunately, those just don't really sell all that well. They're 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 not in favor right now. So, but that being said, uh, and uh, us talking about the aforementioned ESBs. Uh, we uh, yeah tomorrow we're going to brew an ESB so it's all ready to go uh, for tomorrow so hopefully that'll go over, over well and uh, but I don't think we're going to call it an ESB <laughs> we'll have to come up with another name uh, um how how often do you brew we're trying to get down uh, on average it's two every other week right now uh, with a ten barrel system and selling out a sample room. Uh, we're not big into distro at all right now, and that's something that we're going to start to change uh, as we go into the fall. So, uh, since we have our, our new canner, we'll be uh, hopefully getting out into some stores, and uh, that'll increase our throughput a good bit. Uh, 
we we think we could uh, we could do once a week and still stay sane uh, at the size that we are and and, and that's the key uh, we're we're not we're not here to be the next Sam uh, you know <laughs> we just don't we don't need that at our point at this point in our lives so we're just here to make some good beer and, and enjoy it with some people. The one one thing I really think is hard for breweries that opened in the last year too is that. It's almost like you're constantly maybe reopening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you, you really, you, you have no idea what to expect. That's actually, it's, it's just an ever changing, uh, non-normal time. So you, like you, you, you don't have any, uh, anything that you can base what your business is going to be like that, off of. That's absolutely true. Uh, and, and we talked about when we opened, but we, we just actually had our, our official opening uh, the 30th of July of this year. So we had a really, really long, soft opening. And, and we're just trying to figure out what, uh, what people want. And, uh, you know, with the other brewers here in Washington County, uh, we all kind of have our niche. And uh, we just, we're still looking for our niche here at Upper Stem. So you, you listed Belgian beers, uh, English-inspired ones. What about um, more modern, like, uh, popular American styles, like hazies and... Yeah, we, we, we try to dabble in, in some of those here and there. Uh, we really... Uh, we do have a hazy that's that's on the books and uh, that we're going to do here and probably by the end of the year, but... It's it's just not a niche we see we need to be in right now. Granted, uh, everybody and their brother wants a hazy, yeah. and and there's a lot of them out there, and and a lot of people that come in here say they don't want hazies. They're they're tired of them, and uh, I, I guess they just just want something different, maybe are, more traditional style. Are those even styles you enjoy yourself, or? Oh, I, I I enjoy I enjoy IPAs very much. Uh, I think I think one thing one direction that the industry has gone is is to some super high alcohol content beers, and then they they kind of put that on whatever the latest hype style is. So going and drinking nine percent hazy to me that's great. But number one is I probably am not going to finish a pint of it, and and I I don't my my palate's generally generally wrecked after that, so uh, it, it's not necessarily where I need to be. Uh, I, I would rather have a nice five percent uh, IPA than and drink a couple of them and then have a half of half of a pint. Who are your um, biggest influences in the brewing world? Hmm. Person-wise? And, and person, wow. brewery, uh, where do you get your inspiration or where? Oh, wow. Uh, I, 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 the two brewers that I worked with at Barry and Hops were, were top-notch. Uh, Will, Will Golden ended up starting uh, Austin Beer Works in Austin, Texas. And he was a great brewer, and and he uh, one thing I learned from him was how to filter. He he was <laughs> he was a, a clear beer fanatic, and and everything uh, that came out of there was crystal clear, and that's the way he liked his beer. So that was great. And 
And Larry Pomerantz, who's vanished now, uh, is probably one of the best brewers I've I've ever known. And he just he knows his stuff forward and backwards. And and if I have any problems, I have no no qualms texting him or or talking to him and and asking him how he feels about something he's definitely a good resource to have to get help from without a doubt yeah he 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 knows the business inside now especially because he's worked at pretty much every size scale of brewery to from yeah, huge distribution-driven small brew pub to so true. sprawling <laughs> farm <laughs> brewery. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. More and, like a uh, alcohol compound yeah, at this and, point. And and I can I can trust I can trust that he'll tell me what he really feels. It's not going to be you know glossy coated yeah. and and hey this is great but you know, he's going to tell me if something's wrong and and provide some inspiration on how to change things to make it uh, make it better so that's really really it's a great re- larry's a great resource to have what um what what can people expect when they come here um like i.e your hours of operation what days you're open and the sorts of amenities and whatnot yeah we we're open right now we're only open friday saturday and sunday and and after the theater gets open we'll figure out another day possibly that we'll open and try to piggyback on on some of their traffic and uh we have a nice outdoor space uh it's it's we have a pavilion outside right beside the brewery and we also have uh, chairs and tables that are back in a wooded area, so it's a, it's a great place to be even when the sun's blaring down, or if it's a, if it's a little rainy, you can you can be in the pavilion. So, our one of our great strengths is that we've got natural outdoor area, and uh, uh, that was always in our plans, but we really needed to do that quicker than than we thought because yeah. of COVID. Because after the after the curbside delivery, then we could open up outdoor area a little bit. And, and we were already poised to do that, and that really made a difference for us. I had a question in mind, and it just left my left me. Oh, well, oh how, how many acres total is the farm? The farm's 10 acres. Okay. Uh, and we do have a house here and, and uh, some outbuildings that uh, that – support the uh, the hop field and, and our other uh, agriculture <laughs> endeavors but uh, uh, we, we have a good bit of space and uh, yeah that's it's it's just all outdoor area do you have any kind of plans for doing holding events or anything here with the space or is that haven't quite looked we, we had, yeah we have thought about that and that's a whole nother ball game that uh, we will probably look at it more closely in the, in the coming years uh, right now we've got we try to have a food truck every day we were open and we've just started having live music on the weekends on saturdays uh out in our pavilion so that's uh that's another nice draw do you have um anything coming up soon that you want to let everyone know about hmm and by soon, I think actually anything after this Friday, because actually I think we'll release this episode this week. <laughs> uh, what we have coming up beer-wise that will be new, uh, we have an Oktoberfest that's going to be coming out to probably, I'm going to say two weeks, probably mid-September. And we'd like to have our Oktoberfest closer to October than 
than some other people. But we're not, like I said, we're not in distro yet. So yeah. a lot of a lot of breweries already have their Oktoberfest done, and and they're out there ready on on the shelves pretty soon. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, like I said, we're going to do uh, do that collaboration with Homemade, and actually, I've talked with Aaron at Antietam, and we're going to get something together. And uh, knowing Aaron, it'll probably be some obscure sour beer, which we're <laughs> which we are really looking forward. You to. like the sour funky? Oh, stuff? absolutely, absolutely, nice. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get into some mixed culture weirdness and see what happens. Do you have um, <clears throat> any plans to do that here, or is it? Uh, we probably will do that here. Uh, you know, Antietam is, is very geared toward uh, helping people out with contract brewing and while maintaining quite a long list of beers of their own. And they're usually pretty booked up. So uh, we're a little uh, more loosey-goosey, I guess. And, and we, can, we can dedicate a fermenter for, for a little while and, and, and get something together with them. But, I mean, like in general, do you plan on doing more of that here the the dabble in and like going forward yeah very very much would like to do that and uh we uh i feel like that is finally gaining more mainstream popularity like people understand it more and are seeking it out more often i think that's quite true and and a lot of people that are that are the beer nerds people they're they're taking trips now and a lot a lot of people from around this area end up in Asheville and and you can't go to Asheville and not not go to places you know like wicked weed and and the funkatorium and I think uh, people are, are really trying to, to, to reach out and try new styles, and, and that's, uh, that's a, a kind of a trend that we'd like to follow as well. Well, thank you so much for having me out and telling your story. Oh, Chris, um, it was awesome. That Goza was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Um, leading up to this, I've heard nothing but great things about your beer, and they absolutely rang true, so I appreciate the people who gave me that feedback and not lying to me. Uh, <laughs> That's always good, isn't it? And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Chris, thanks so much. Good well, talking to you. Cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.